Hello and welcome to After Press, the podcast from Passenger Transport. My name is Robert Jack, editor of Passenger Transport, and I'm joined, as always, by my esteemed colleague, Andrew Garnett. Hello! As ever, we're socially distanced by around 400 miles. I'm in Edinburgh and Andrew is in his secret location in the southwest of England, but the wonder of technology <laughs> has brought us together. So we finished this week's edition of Passenger Transport a couple of days ago, and we're recording this on Friday, April the 30th. Andrew, I understand you have some very exciting news from your intervening period between press and pod. <laughs> Involving your hair. Oh, right. Yeah, well, it's not exactly exciting, but I've had a haircut. <laughs> Yay! Which um, I was starting to look like Tim Martin from Weatherspoon. You're, or Tony Blair. Yes, your hair was good as long as Tony Blair's, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very, very pleased to have... and Because I do live in the middle of nowhere, I did have to wait a while. In time to get an appointment, but no, it's there, it's all done, and it's beautiful, it really is. Well, I managed to get in ahead That's of you, I had, I had mine done a week ago, but um, yeah, we, we've been a bit, I know. but um, yeah, so let's talk some transport, shall we? Uh, this is our uh, post press debrief. Regular listeners yes. will know that we pick through mm. this week's edition and draw your attention to some areas of interest. We are going to kick off with our lead story, which is uh, recalcitrant local transport authorities pressed on bus strategy. Uh, Local transport authorities in England have been warned not to treat the bus service improvement plans, which is part of the National Bus Strategy for England, as a tick box exercise. Uh, The bus strategy commits local transport authorities to working with bus operators to produce bus service improvement plans by October. Concerns have been raised that some of them have um, a long history of overlooking buses, while others lack the necessary resources. Fielding questions from MPs on the Transport Select Committee last week, Baroness Via, the buses minister, was asked what she would do if local transport authorities submitted poor plans. And here is what she had to say. You know, it's very clear to us that they've got to be ambitious. We are looking for, you know, interventions in infrastructure. We will be looking for improvements in reliability. Um, And so we will go back to them and say it's not good enough. And and if it's not good enough, they won't be getting the funding that they ask for. Uh, Elaborating on what is expected, Stephen Vidler, the... Department of Transport's Director for Local Transport said this. Uh, But I think the things we have said really clearly that we do want to see though are targets so that we can see whether a difference is being made and that's around journey time reliability, uh, that's around bus speeds and the interventions that the the highways authorities can take but really importantly it's also around customer satisfaction uh, and it's around actually growing patronage. Baroness Veer pointed out that extra funding was available for those I call my recalcitrant local authorities. She said she 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 wanted places like Cheshire East, Windsor and Maidenhead and Rutland, where there are low levels of passenger ridership, to learn from the places where strong partnerships have built bus use. What did you make of all of that, Andrew? Well, I think it's rather good, isn't it? Because we we sort of all expect, you know, we, we have a list, don't we, of the usual suspects who will probably do very well with this and um, you know, I'll, I'll mention no names, <coughs> Brighton, Nottingham, but um, you know they're they're sort of they're fine. It, it is the smaller places that need the help, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, five months. I think everybody agrees is a very ambitious time frame to produce these um, these plans that you know are said to be detailed. They want targets. They, yeah, they're not going to have an awful lot of time to consult locally uh, on them, and and that will decide how much of this pot. They are going to receive. We, we know, as you say, the places that are going to excel in this, the places yes, that have good relationships. Indeed. But of course, 
The danger here is um, it, it's the, the recalcitrant local authorities. They're the places where buses have perhaps been neglected. They're the places where we really need to see an uplift. And of course, if the best yeah. just get better and the worst just get worse, that is the very opposite of levelling up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the dilemma, I suppose, for the government is that buses are ultimately local. Um, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't necessarily make it produce a good bus no. service improvement plan. <laughs> but it's not easy for the government, is it, to make sure that everybody rises to the challenge. There's only so much yeah. they can do to force and cajole and, and motivate. Yeah. Uh, and they can't really be seen to be rewarding failure. So, uh, and the government... No, absolutely, they can't do that. Yes, and, and of course, no. they, they have put extra money available aside. Uh, I think £100,000 has actually already gone to every local authority in England just to help them in the immediate response to the plan and a pot of 25 million available and a center of excellence is there to, to support bus operators in responding to the, the plan. So in the, the government is, is aware of this issue, but uh, Transdev Blazefield boss, Alex Hornby has suggested that the areas that fail yes. the BSIP challenge, in his words, are the very areas that need more help or help more. Perhaps every authority will rise to the challenge but if they don't, we need some sort of corrective mechanism, maybe, that gives them extra time to get it right and they don't miss out on this transformational funding. It's a it's a complicated issue. But yeah, but staying with Alex Hornby, it was Alex was actually speaking to you, wasn't he? Uh, he, he you interviewed yes. him for the latest edition of the magazine. And aside from commenting on local transport authorities and the BSIP challenge, what else did Alex have to tell you? Well, there was plenty to discuss, really, wasn't there? Um, he is very, very encouraged about the um, national bus strategy. But um, perhaps the most interesting thing I thought um, I'd like to bring up here was um, uh, Transdev's attitude to um, bus franchising, which has sort of changed, obviously, um, Greater Manchester's within their operating orbit. And uh, they sort of changed a little bit um, to... Um, except that you know franchising was going to happen they were you know happy to support and that sort of thing so I asked him about that and uh, he said uh, I won't put on the Scouse accent it would be a bit naive to expect when the second consultation came around that this franchising wasn't going to happen um, our view was this franchising is increasingly looking inevitable the best way to approach this is to try and influence how franchising happens so operators can contribute something should play a role and that's then where the narrative from us changed slightly so basically what alex was saying that um whatever you know method or approach is uh, taken they will bring their skills and experience to the table you know in greater manchester if they want to go for franchising well that's fine they will do their best for the customers they'll work within the environment and do what they can for that um, and in contrast to that with well you know in west yorkshire if they go for an enhanced partnership they will also again do the best to function for the customers and the authority in that sort of environment so Quite an interesting uh, point of view, really, there, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, does franchising... Testy topic. Franchising, obviously, something that, that most operators, I think it's fair to say, have opposed. There's always been a, a group that have, have, have been open or favoured the yes. idea or promoted it. That that balance between uh, for and against is, is likely to change perhaps over time. And, and this is a business opportunity, I suppose, for, for Alex and Transdev yeah. Blazefield. And... Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, he points out that you know, um, 
Transdev is a you know a global transport group, and outside of um, Blazefield, this is how more overall this is how Transdev operates around the world. Whether it's bus, tram, rail, taxis, ferries, um, it's very much sort of a contracted environment. And but the principle is always the same, and this includes Blazefield, and that's it's on the basis of working very closely in partnership with authorities. So, yeah. It's not much difference, really, is no, it? No, no, not at all. <laughs> and Alex also spoke about his confidence, didn't he, for the for his business and the bus sector? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he was, um, you know, um, he was quite quite bullish, really, about saying that, you know, um, we, England opened up earlier this month, and it's things seem to be doing, you know, the high streets are doing well. There's all sorts of confidence about the economy and that sort of thing, and that's translating. Um, into his business, he's they're already at, um, I think it's sixty five percent of what normal patronage would be in normal times, which is they're already exceeded um, where they were before the last lockdown. So they're doing okay. They're, so he's quite bullish about the future and that sort of thing, and he thinks that um, you know that's translating into you know the vaccination program is giving people confidence to get back on the bus. Yeah, 65%, that's quite a good result at the moment, isn't it, for a world that doesn't feel like it's fully yeah. opened up yet, for where, where we have to yeah, maintain social indeed. distancing on vehicles, where a lot of people will be understandably nervous about going into any space where they can't regulate the number of people who are there. Uh, that, 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 that's that's caused to be quite hopeful, I would, I would suggest. Yeah, absolutely. So I think he's feeling positive. Um, it's... Um, whether the government will support them, though, isn't it, in the future? Which we're going to turn to later on. We are, we are. Uh, so we'll, we'll move on, because that point about confidence is a, is a nice bridge to our next section, which is all about the bounce-back ability of public transport post-COVID. Uh, this edition of the magazine features a story about a new study by Edinburgh Napier University. That study suggests that the COVID-19 pandemic will have a long-term repercussions for the use of public transport. A survey found that far fewer members of the public anticipate using buses and trains after the country emerges from lockdown. The report was produced by the university's Transport Research Institute with the backing of the Scottish Funding Council. Nearly 1,000 Scottish residents completed a detailed survey designed to in inform understanding of how COVID-19 might alter travel choices in the near future and guide appropriate policy responses. The survey found that 45% of respondents expected to walk more, 29% expected to cycle more, and 25% expected to drive their car more in a post-COVID future than they did before the pandemic. In stark contrast, 42% anticipated using aeroplanes less, 36% using buses less, and 34% using trains less. The most common reasons given for using public transport less in the future were the possibility of getting infections from other passengers, lack of cleanliness, hygiene on board, and oh. I know, and overcrowding. So I mean, it might be worth just tagging back to that research that Transport Focus has done, haven't they, where they have identified the people who've used the bus, see it's clean, see that it feels safe, and come back and use it again. The difficulty is getting people to try it the first time because the people who haven't used the bus are far more far more sceptical. Uh, and I'm sure that 
the same applies to to uh, other other forms of public transport. But this, this isn't good news for the industry, clearly, is it? Uh, if, if Alex Hornby's given us confidence here, this survey is, is perhaps something to, <laughs> to knock our confidence somewhat. And, and of course, it's not good news for uh, Scotland in this instance, but I believe that the survey results could have probably been done um, in other parts of the UK too. I think you'd probably expect to find similar sort of results. Uh, yes. And obviously, it does hurt the uh, the any moves to achieve sustainable transport uh, and, and, and avoid a car-led recovery. Uh, and you know, we were talking about uh, the, the challenge of achieving net zero. It's going to be counterproductive to to decarbonising our transport system. Uh, transport is the largest source of greenhouse uh, gas emissions, uh, more than a third. Of the country's total emissions, according to the Scottish government, a third of Scotland's total emissions, and I imagine it can't be dissimilar south of the border either. Dr. Achille Fanzoni, who is the Associate Professor of Transport Analysis and Planning at Edinburgh Napier, is, is calling for the potential loss of demand for public transport to be better understood and suitable actions to be taken. And, and, and also some other findings that, that may be of interest to listeners are that over half of workers, 54% to be precise, expect to work from home more, according to this survey. Not no great surprise there, but it gives us an idea of the kind of world we might be moving into. 64% stated they'll use technology more to communicate with colleagues, customers, or clients. And over half, 52%, expect to use technology to communicate with friends or family. So those family Zoom calls are here to stay. So uh, what are we going to do about this? The uh, Sustainable Transport Charity Campaign for Better Transport has also warned the government um, the government that their ambitions to achieve modal shift away from private car are at risk unless more is done to support public transport. It also did a survey uh, carried out by Savanta Comres uh, that was of more than 2,000 adults that was carried out in March and it found that the public was largely expecting to travel the way they did before the pandemic. In fact, the findings suggested there'd be a, a slight increase in uh, the use of private cars, a slight increase in private cars obviously might translate to a significant increase in congestions at particular time in particular areas, of course. Former Transport Minister Norman Baker has been advising the campaign for better transport's chief executive. And in his column in the latest edition of Passenger Transport, Norman talks about the charity's new campaign. It's well worth a read, but here are some of Norman's key points. On April 20th, you may have seen that the government issued what was an impressive media release committing in law to a reduction of 78% in carbon emissions by 2035 from 1990 levels. The release talked about renewable energy, tackling polluting industries, even pledged to include aviation and international shipping in its carbon calculations for the first time, which was overdue but welcome. But there was not one mention of public transport. (laughs) So they're not joining oh the dots here, are they? Um, no. It's the transport field that emissions have remained stubbornly high in, down by just 1%, 1% over 10 years, while the power sector has been transformed as renewables have replaced coal. Norman yes, says, yeah, they have. Yes, Norman says that we need a similar modal shift in transport to which has happened in en- energy. And uh, Norman does point out in his article that when he stood up in the Commons and advocated a big shift from coal to renewables 15 years ago, he was dismissed as an unrealistic woolly liberal. He says it. <laughs> he says it doesn't do to be right too far ahead of others. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Milman laments that uh, our current transport secretary, Grant Shapps, sometimes gives the impression that he thinks that electric cars are the answer to everything, the holy grail. They are not. And uh, it's not just a return to pre-COVID passenger transport levels on our buses, trains and trams that we need to see. We need a government-led movement to persuade people out of their cars and onto public transport. The government says it's serious about building back greener. And Norman says that he believes them, but he, that they need to join up the dots. Now, there's a new campaign from the coming out from the campaign for better transport to make sure that they do so. And this campaign will hit the streets in mid-May. And there are a number of measures that will make it impossible for our parliamentarians not to notice advertisements in House magazine. I think they're going to have the ticket gates and other sites as they pass through Westminster Station to remind them of this. But Andrew, you're going to take us through what the key asks for this campaign are, aren't you? Yes. So the key asks are, number one, correct the misleading, if unintentional, impression that has been created by the government's own messaging that public transport is inherently, perhaps even uniquely unsafe. It isn't. Two, the Cabinet Office review into social distancing must be published with a recognition that an indefinite continuation of the two-metre rule is incompatible with a return to pre-COVID passenger numbers and incompatible with any sort of financial self-sufficiency for public transport. Three, the government must provide uncertainty about the continuation of safety net funding for bus and train services, as a bridge to a financially sustainable future. Support should taper off as passenger numbers grow. Four, as lockdown ends completely in June, the government should coincide this with financial incentives to people to get back on buses and trains. Last year we had Eat Out to Help Out, to, uh, to help cafes and restaurants, so something similar there. And number five, early introduction of the welcome pledges in the bus strategy relating to universal contactless payment and to integrated ticketing and finally number six the government needs to set out a vision for the future and show how increased use of public transport is essential to a sustainable future and in particular essential if we're to tackle carbon emissions from the transport sector and achieve the government's ambitious and stretching target for a 78 percent reduction in carbon emission levels by 2035 so quite yeah. a lot of asks there. yes yeah that i mean that 78 percent target is, is a is a big ask isn't it and, and that ought to focus minds but there's a, a there's a lot of interesting asks there i think the social distancing one is perhaps is very important the, the sooner yeah they can change that for for buses and trains that that will be a, a huge game changer won't it i think yeah absolutely i mean it's just uh, you know with if you keep social distancing um it's just impossible i think financially just numbers don't stack up at all do they yeah social distancing is is kryptonite for public transport really isn't it it takes them oh yes it it takes the mass out of mass transport really but uh, it does yeah so uh, i mean the campaign for transport research has actually asked people what would encourage them to use public transport more in future uh less crowding 30 percent uh people cited that uh, cheaper tickets, 29%, better routes, 29%, more frequent services, 26%, punctual, 22%, simpler payment options such as the ability to touch in and touch out, uh, and better access to real-time information. I also noted that Transport Focus issued a statement this week really urging 
all but all public transport operators to start promote producing information about how much space is on board their services you know dynamic information we saw a lot of operators introduce that kind of facility during the pandemic but not all some of them uh, including some large groups have, have, have sort of sacked that one out the transport focus is arguing that, that people want that information not just during the current uh, situation that we're in with social distancing and, and such but 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 actually afterwards as well they, they want that information full stop perhaps most worrying the research revealed that a fifth of uh, uk residents or uk adults uh, said that there was nothing that could be done that would encourage them to increase their use of public transport uh, and that rises mm-hmm. to 29 uh, percent among those aged 55 and over um Oh dear, I, I we've got a we've got a steep hill to climb, haven't we? Yes, yeah, so I don't know how much of that is related again to fears about health and and crowding and, and such. I suspect it does, and, and but that shows the scale of the challenge that we have now to to get people back on board. On the subject of getting people back on board, buses specifically in this instant, instance, this is what Baroness Veer told the Transport Select Committee on the twenty first of April. But one of the things that the government will be doing is working with the industry, particularly the CPT, um, on a sort of marketing programme, you know, getting back to bus when it is appropriate to do so, according to the unlocking of the, the roadmap. When it is appropriate to do so, we will actually stand by CPT and the bus industry to make sure that we get as many people back on the bus as possible. And then, of course, we hope to go further. There's some encouragement there, and the industry will be keeping that in their back pocket, I'm sure, and, and hoping that, 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 that Baroness Veer and her colleagues... Uh, come good on that, and, uh, and I'm yes. sure they will. Uh, I, Alex Hornby had a bit more to say on this, did he not? Yes, he did. Uh, and he basically said that, you know, after, um, as he puts it, um, the government sort of treating buses as though they were radioactive danger zones, um, he would like to uh, see some tangible actions from the uh, this same government. And he says they should place the bus at the centre of the recovery and other efforts to open up the economy, including hospitality and workplaces. Uh, Alex says, if buses truly are the enabler, the Prime Minister in the National Bus Strategy says they are, they need to be integrated into the wider government response to opening up the economy. And I don't think many people would disagree with that, quite frankly. That's interesting. Boris Johnson, in the foreword to Bus Back Better, the national bus strategy for England, had a nice way of describing buses. He said they are lifelines and they are liberators. So if you are an operator of a lifeline and a liberator, that's fantastic, isn't it? That's something to uh, to be proud of, something that I think we should put on the side of all of our buses. Um, so there is, of course, much more in the latest edition of the magazine, but that's all we have time for this time. Uh, we've come to the end of our podcast. But before I go, I always ask Andrew what his plans are for the weekend. <laughs> oh, Dan, it's always the same one. It seems to usually involve me either going to the supermarket, cooking, or talking about uh, a sort of low-lying alcoholism, really, doesn't it? Um, but it's bank holiday weekend, and it's going to rain, isn't it, constantly? So um, I'm going to continue uh, the never-ending task of emptying boxes following my move to my mystery location in the southwest of England. Um, and that's about it. But what about you, Rob? You must be doing something exciting, I'm sure. Well, we're allowed out of the city boundary now. So uh, I went to the beach oh. last weekend. I'll probably do something similar this weekend. 
But I, oh, that's nice, isn't it? Yes. Are you going to sit outside in the cold and have a have a well, drink? Sorry, I'm bringing up alcohol. Again. Well, the, the, it's seven degrees here, and it said it, it and the forecast says it feels like four degrees. So I'm not especially inclined to sit outside. I'm not Dear. quite that desperate for a for an outdoor no. pint just yet. So no. uh, yeah, I think I'd wrap no, up warm no. and go for a walk instead. Actually, but. Um, Oh, that's nice. Yes. Yeah, so, but before we go, as ever, we, <laughs> we want to say a big thank you to as ever to our subscribers. Oh, thank you. Don't subscribe; you're missing out. Yes. So please visit passengertransport.co.uk for details. And just between us, you can save twenty five percent. Twenty five percent. Twenty five percent off all subscriptions by using the promo code discount twenty five. All one word. Discount twenty five at the online checkout. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Pastrans and join our LinkedIn group, Passenger Transport Magazine. And if you really must, you can follow Andrew on Twitter as well at Andrew Garnet 78 Don't bother. So we've reached the terminus. Everyone should alight here. We look forward to joining you all again in two weeks. Goodbye. Bye.